Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's exciting webinar. I'm Tim Stark and the host of today's exciting event. I'm a professor of civil engineering at the University of Illinois and technical director of the Fabricated Geomembrane Institute. This is our 14th webinar of 2020, and the remaining one for 2020 is a live panel discussion on subgrade preparation and CQA pr procedures with a great number of panelists, which are listed on the last slide today. During today's webinar, we welcome questions and comments, which can be typed into the questions box in the control panel. You may send in your questions at any time during the presentation, and our, our speaker will address them at the end of today's presentation. <clears throat> the recording of this webinar and a PDF of the slides will be made available on the FGI website after today's presentation. PDH certificates will be sent automatically to all who attend the entire webinar. Okay, it is a great pleasure to introduce today's webinar speaker, which is Dennis Para, who is the general manager of Andes in Lima, Peru. And he is also an associate professor of civil engineering at the National University of Engineering in Lima. Dennis has over 30 years of experience in mining projects related to heat bleach pads, tailing stams, process ponds, water dams, and other mining facilities in Peru, Chile, Chile, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, Bolivia, and Panama. The title of Dennis's webinar today is Geosynthetics in Mining. Dennis, thanks so much for squeezing this webinar into your extremely busy schedule and joining us from Lima, Peru. Your webinar controls are yours, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, good morning in Illinois and uh, good afternoon here in Lima, Peru. First of all, I want to thank Tim Stork for inviting me to this webinar to present my experience in geosynthetic in the mining industry in this part of the world, in South America, and specifically in Peru, where we have a lot of challenge regarding the uh, designing with uh, geosynthetics. This is the content of this uh, presentation. We will talk about the use of different geosynthetics in the mining industry. We will talk also about the mining facilities, which are use uh, these kind of products. We will talk a little bit about the liner system and geomembrane soil GCL interface interaction, which is uh, very important for some for the design of some facilities, such as leach pads, for example. Some consideration for the use and installation of geosynthetics in this kind of uh, terrain that usually we have in the Andes, which is very aggressive. And other application of geosynthetics, not so common, but uh, I mean. Its application in the mining industry, a summary of uh, all that we will see today. We will start uh, talking about the use of geosynthetic in the mining industry, of course, talking about the geomembrane, which is, uh, I mean, very used uh, in, in the mining industry, mainly as a liner of heap leach pad, permanent leach pad, or dynamic leach pad, is uh, uh, very uh, used in the mining industry. Also, we use as a interleaf liner for permanent leach pad when we have a low grade ore or when we have a low permeability and we need to put an, an interleaf a liner system every single leaf. So also we use membrane of different kind of 
equality. Also, a liner for leach or dam when we have a dynamic or also called on-off leach fat, we have to remove the ore and we have to to place that leach ore in a in a dam and need to be of course liner with membrane. Also, we use liner in in, in tailless dam. Uh, it's not so common, but lately it's, it's, it's become a more common to use your membrane liner in Thailand. We also some applications. Also for pond storage, a solution, acidic water, fresh water. Also for encapsulation of waste material to mitigate acid drainage. Rain system inhibits path to avoid the infiltration of the rainwater and also for avoid dilution of a solution. Cover system for mine closure, cover for erosion control, liner of temporary uh, canals or channels, liner for evaporation pond in lithium extraction industry, where they use a, a huge amount of uh, these kind of products. Uh, also, we have uh, using the synthetic liner, the GCL, which is used uh, uh, very common to. to to see this kind of application in the mining industry as a secondary barrier below the single or double membrane liner in ponds, uh, encapsulation of, of uh, waste rock to mitigate acid drainage, capping system for closure. Uh, when we talk about a barrier below the, the single liner system, basically we are talking about heblish path, for example. Geotextiles uh, is another product that is very uh, used in the mining industry as a filter for under drain and collection pipes, which we have to take care of. And also, we need to study very well when we use this because uh, we can have some problem of clogging, which is very common also. But geotextile uh, is used for, uh, as a separate uh, a separation layer or as a protection of GCL, GCL or G-membrane in aggressive slope when we use a very heavy geotextile, also of a cushion layer for protection of G-membrane, ground stabilization, reinforces the wall erosion control, or geotools for tailing of sludge contention, uh, which uh, we have uh, several applications in the last uh, few years. Uh, Geonet or geocomposite is very useful also as a leak detection for a recovery system, as a drainage below GCL in steep slope, protection of GCL, and also HDP pipes for under drain, underwater collection, for uh, leachate collection, for leak detection monitoring. And another application that, will, that we have for uh, geosynthetic is, for example, geogrid in soil, soil stabilization in a slope reinforced uh, reinforcement and stabilization mechanically mechanically reinforced wall error uh, also we use geowebs as a, as a, all this application uh, that uh, we can see here uh, consideration for the use of geosynthetic mining we need to consider that the mining project projects are usually far from populated center then Logistic and shipping of the material must be taken into account, uh, which imply uh, cost and time. Uh, some technical specification must be met and verified before shipping to the materials to the site. Uh, that's very important when we have, for example, geomembrane. 
In this case, for example, uh, the MQA, the Manufacturing Quality Assurance, is a good option for, to avoid uh, non-conformance or and construction delays when we have the product that is not meeting the specification, it's better to uh, certify and verify the quality during the uh, manufacturing. And a special consideration, of course, needs to be taken in the design and construction. When we have uh, uh, regions of, for example, high seismicity, high precipitation, high altitude, or aggressive terrain, all these factors are uh, appearing in countries like, uh, like my country, like Peru, when we have, I mean, all, all this factor uh, that we have to deal uh, when we design any kind of, of facilities, but mainly when we use the synthetics. Uh, in the mining facilities, we have, for example, waste dump, uh, which, uh, of course, we know that they are, they are facilities for storage non-economic material for the mine. Uh, the material to be placed are basically granular and often very large size. Uh, if this material has potential for acid drainage or metal leaching, then soil liner or geosynthetic is needed. With that might require some seepage or acid uh, water collection system. We have here, for example, a photo showing a waste dump or a waste rock material and a, a gel membrane liner. And this case in particular, this waste rock has a, or had a, a high content of pirate, then a very high potential for acid drainage, then we need to use gel membrane. It's not so common for waste dump, but in some cases we had to use. Tailings dams, uh, they are facilities for, for tailings storage of the milling process. Uh, tailings can be discharged in pulp, it, it thickens, paste, or placed as cake, as a filter. If uh, this material has potential for acid drainage, even as a cake or filter, uh, some cases a membrane liner is needed. But also in some other, other cases, when an uh, aspect of perceptions of, uh, and social environmental commitment, in that case, it's also human brain liner is also an option because it's easier to, to get approvals from the uh, regulators. We will see here some examples uh, in, in, in South America. Uh, for example, here we have a downstream tailings dam with uh, lining impoundment uh, to this elevation. Okay, we can see here the, the impoundment side. Uh, higher elevation, it is really very high. Well, we have here a lining facility for, for tailings storage. It is a, this is a center line uh, there with also with a liner of all the impoundment, a very high altitude. Uh, another high altitude application, very large uh, facility with a uh, membrane liner. It is a project in Argentina, though also we don't have so, I mean, not so much, uh, it's also high, but of course, in some cases, we need to use your membrane liner for impermeabilization. Hiblish path. Uh, as we can uh, I conclude after uh, decades of uh, this kind of facility has been used in the mining industry. 
that they are probably the single biggest user of geosynthetic in the mining industry and also in, in, compared with another industries. Uh, these uh, facilities are used for stacking fresh ore leached with solution for metal recovery such as gold, silver, copper, copper nickel, uranium. In South America we have a in general, Latin America, we have a heavily path for gold, for silver, for copper, we don't have just for nickel, we don't have steel for uranium. Uh, impermeabilization of leach pad base is needed, of course. Uh, human brain theory due to the heat hate must be evaluated, of course, because we, we can go as high as uh, 200 meter heat. And the leach solution is collected through drainage pipes at the base of the heap. The solution is conveyed to the ponds and then pumped it to the process plant where we can extract the metal. We have some examples here of Hiblish uh, path in, in South America, in this, in, in this, in this case, to 3,600 meter altitude. Another facility uh, in the Andes, another one in the south of Peru, close to Chile. This is in the north. Also, we have a the, the, the back side of the leach pad, we have a very large area of a gold operation. It is a cooperation in also high altitude. And also I wanted to show this one because this is, could be or must be the highest altitude leach pad in, in the world, 5,100 meters. I was commenting with Tim that, that the first time that I, I watched the project to start the, 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 the design, I mean, it's very hard even to think at that condition. It's very hard to think, to be harder when we have to work for construct uh, this facility and, of course, for the installation of the geosynthetics. Ponds, they are facility for storage of fresh water, acid water, leach solution, tailings. In cases of fresh water or no contaminant liquids, a single human brain liner is enough, sufficient. When the liquid is contaminant, then we need to install a double gem membrane liner with a leak detection between the two gem membranes. And the leaks are collected by pipes and pumping back into the pond. We have here some uh, photos of uh, mining operation when, uh, in this case, we have a PLS, a pregnant leak solution pond, and a stone water pump also called emergency pond. This kind of we have a thing, a PLS and a store water ponds. And in this case, we have three ponds. When we have, we need some intermediate solution, intermediate solution, intermediate leach solution, we need an extra pond to manage the solution to be pumped to the leach pad. Uh, about the liner system and uh, human brain interface. We have uh, the single composite liner system, and we can show here the foundation, soil, or rock, okay? Uh, the prepared foundation. Okay? Over the, the foundation, we need to, uh, to place a low permeability soil, or even GCL. We will see, we will show some cases of some criteria where, uh, when we use low permeability soil, or when we use GCL, right? This is the requirement of the permeability for clayly sand or clayly gravel, which is the low permeability soil. 
Over this soil liner, uh, we install the U-membrane. Usually, we install 1.5 or 2 millimeter HDPE oil LDPE. They are very common in the mining industry. And all this stuff we call the liner system. Another U-membrane we install, we place the overliner, uh, which is could, could be the, just for drainage or also for protection. As a, as a protection material, if we have, for example, raw more, which large size particles can damage the liner, so we need an overliner, in this case, for protection. This is the, the size usually uh, that uh, is used for uh, the overliner. Uh, on the top of the overliner, we place the operating lift. Uh, what happens when we have double composite liner system? Again, the foundation soil, the low permeability soil or GCL, the secondary membrane, which is usually to use 1.5 or 2 millimeter HDPE, it's very common to use uh, high density polyethylene. Uh, then we use the geonet or geocomposite. Uh, five millimeter is is, is enough. Uh, we can do, we, we can have uh, thicker in some cases. Uh, in some cases we use geonet, and if the pond is uh, very high, so we need an extra protection with geocomposite, which is uh, the geonet plus two two uh, biotextile. The primary geomembrane, also the same thickness and, and, and quality material. And all this stuff that's what we call the line system. Uh, this is a very uh, good example of what uh, we are talking about the overliner material, the geomembrane, and the soil liner, the clayly or uh, the clayly, the clay, the sandy or clayly gravel soil. And something that we need to, to take into account is that the main failure mechanism of a leach path is through the interface. It's for the reason that we need to, to study and test these two interfaces, U-membranes and soil liner, and also the U-membrane and overliner. And that's why usually the past was enough to, to do testing between the U-membrane and soil liner, because the prosperity height was in the order of 0.25 millimeter. But now the industry is using a higher asperity height, which is 0.4 as minimum. In these cases, in some cases, the overliner and the smooth geomembrane become the weaker interface. So now we need to test these two interfaces. Here we have an example of a of a leach part. Uh, with a soil liner uh, in this kind of uh, slope where we can place soil liner. And also we have GCL in a steeper slope, in some cases even vertical. Okay, Then we have soil liner, we have GCL, and when we place the geomembrane on top, we are creating this interface. Yeah, and the other interface is the interaction between the geomembrane and the ore in this case, the active leaf of the leach pad. Uh, some geotechnical laboratory testing for soil geosynthetics, geosynthetics uh, materials. The most common uh, device that we use is the large-scale direct shear for testing, uh, in one case, 
the 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 membrane and the and the top the soil liner or the oval liner we can see here as the sample uh, remains after the testing with uh, about uh, 20 75 millimeter separation which is the maximum uh, displacement that can happen in this kind of uh, uh, testing device this is uh, uh, the, the equipment the large scale large scale shear installed in the low in andes laboratory in lima this is the results in this case for example we have four loads uh, different loads that we can apply here 3000 kpa but in this case the, the usually the, the the shear box is 30 centimeters this is a, the maximum size but uh, when we need to apply high loads or higher loads so it's better to use a, a smaller shear box but in this case for example for this load we use both uh, boxes and we compare in this case the comparison of the uh, 30 centimeter box is the same that the 21 of the 20 centimeter one then we can uh, rely in the, in the results for for higher loads. Uh, this is the typical uh, normal stress and shear stress in, in, in this equipment. In this case, we have the the peak envelope, the peak shear strain envelope. Uh, here we have the post peak, and it's very used, very common to see a non-linear envelope okay and this is uh that we need to use for design we have to try we have to go as uh, as uh, to the maximum loss uh, which is calculated based on the weight of the hip uh, in order to have this envelope complete also the other geotechnical uh, uh, testing that we usually have uh, is the human brain puncture test. In this case, uh, we are using the same permeability uh, equipment because, I mean, uh, we can use in a square or we can use in round, uh, in circular uh, uh, material. Uh, that, that's not a problem that we need to, to do is uh, place the soil liner in the bottom place the human brain and then the overliner and, and uh, place the, the, the load, the maximum load in stages as uh, the liner would be subjected uh, in the field. Here, for example, we have a result of this integrity of puncture test. In this case, we have a 1.5 single side texture LLDP human brain. We have the geosynthetic, in this case, it's the human brain, and the overlying is, is, is this kind of, uh, of soil. Uh, this is about a 110 meter heap. It, it is a 2000 kPa of load, and you can see here some uh, yielding, some minor damage uh, that can be accepted. But in this case, for example, we have also the same configuration. It's another project. We we have a, a maximum load of uh, 3,000 kPa. It is about 170 meter heap. And you can see here is a very uh, a lot of puncture, a lot of damage, a lot of uh, yielding. And even if there is not a hole, this kind of uh, results cannot be accepted.
a, a future trend in um, cycling interface testing is the cyclic dealer shear. In this case, the result corresponds to GCL. Professor Fox, uh, formerly University of Pennsylvania, and they did a, a lot of work in, in developing this kind of equipment, which is very similar to the cyclic testing that we have for soils. Here we can see this theoretic loop. Of course, we, we cannot uh, uh, have here a shear strain. It's not possible in this kind of equipment, this displacement. And in the, in the theoretic loop, we basically uh, determine the, the rigidity, the second shear, the stiffness, and of course, the damping. Based on this parameter, we can uh, apply, we can use those parameters for dynamic analysis, including interface. Uh, it's, it's, I don't see uh, so many uh, research and also application of this kind of uh, parameters for dynamic analysis of this kind of facility, which use uh, human brain and generalized interfaces. But I think and I hope it could be a future trend. Uh, regarding the consideration for the use and installation of geosynthetic, uh, we will present uh, my experience, the experience of, of our equipment here in Peru and in South America about all these uh, construction process that is used usually uh, for the geosynthetic facility construction. The first of all is uh, the underdrain installation. The underdrain system is used for groundwater collection for avoiding the damage of the liner. You can see here trenches. We have we can see here the uh, geotextile, the pipe, and this is typical. It's typical to use a trench with a diameter, different diameter depending on the collection area of HDPE perforated pipes, which is bath filled with, with gravel. This is a typical uh, trench for under drain installation. Uh, we have to take care when uh, we use geotextile. Uh, I, I, I talked this uh, at the beginning, but, but in many cases I, I saw a lot of a lot of cases of uh, clogging of the geotextile. So we need to take care. Uh, we use as in this case for separation only. I mean there is no problem. But when we try to rub. Uh, the trench, so this can generate a problem because if the geotextile closed, then it, it will become impermeable. So there, the, the, the under drain system is not meeting his, his function. Uh, in, for example, in Hibelish facility or pond also, this under drain is used for detect leakage through the human brain. And all these systems need to report to an underdrain pond where we can install a monitoring system. Uh, some criteria for selection soil liner or GCL, some general recommendation. Uh, in South America in the past, the soil liner was placed on slope up to one and a half to one. In some cases, even steeper, one to one. But in this case, the uh, roller cannot work alone. You need to use a wind system with a wire to pull the roller and compact on the slope. Then 
in the past we have had a lot of uh, safety issues that need to be addressed uh, for uh, performing this kind of work. Currently, that is not allowed uh, anymore. Uh, here we, we can see the roller working in a very steep slope. We can we see here uh, this equipment. We have we have here a, a, a pulley. We have here a rope, and the rope is uh, pulling by the track. Then the uh, roller can go up and also can go back, but also uh, by uh, by using this uh, winch system. Currently, many projects uh, with safety restriction, the soil liner must be placed and compacted on a slope less than two and a half to one, which means two horizontal and one vertical, or even two and a half uh, to one, uh, which uh, the soil liner can be compacted within any winch system, based basically for safety restrictions. Uh, however, for a slope steeper than those above, then as, as we can see here, in this case, almost vertical slope, GCL must be used. As we can see here, in, in the benches for, for generating some axis, so we generate very steep slopes, then we need to use GCL and in a not so steep slope, we can use still uh, the, the soil line. What happened in aggressive slope? Okay, we need to protect the geosynthetics in this kind of uh, aggressive slope. If when we have rocky surfaces with sharp edges or cavities, then to avoid puncture and deformation, we need to, to place some protection. Uh, the protection of these irregular surfaces can be by using heavy style, as we can see here in the photo. We can also use geocomposite, which is the geonet uh, uh, in the middle of uh, two geotextiles. Here, the slope is not so aggressive, but in some cases, we have some uh, rocky areas, then geocomposite is a very good option. Electro welded wire mesh, uh, I don't know if it, it, it can be seen, but uh, maybe if I put here, you can see the electro welded mesh when we have a very rocky. And, uh, with sharp edges, then uh, this has been can be has been used in in some of the projects. Or also we can use shortcrete, mortar, soil cement, but we need to protect geosynthetics. Some technical aspects for using GCL. Uh, the GCL usually is used when we have restriction to get the soil liner from a borrowed source, for example, when it's far from the construction site, or when where the soil liner presents high moisture content, so GCL is an option. In this case, for example, uh, the GCL can be used in this area where we have a six slopes, but in this particular project, it was decided to use the whole area because we have restriction for getting soil liner. Then uh, when uh, we have, for example, a slope up to three to one, so we can use unreinforced GCL, but when we have a steeper slope, needle punch GCL uh, need to be used, as in this case, vertical slope, needle punch it is, is, is the better option. Uh, of course, we have to verify the stability due to the GCL low shear strength. 
And also we have to take care with the overlap as a minimum 25 centimeter in flat areas or a 45 or even 50 centimeters in slope to avoid separation by shrinkage, as we can see here, which it could be a very big problem if that happens and, ha and can happen at, at least in a couple of projects that I know. Also, uh, it's, it's very common after installation, in this case it was uh, just right away the installation, but after installation and the leach pad operating, the GCL can be hydrated. Then, in this condition, must be tested because, of course, the shear strength reduces even in the more. About the geomembrane liner, for mining application, waste dump, or basically or mainly for heavy leach pad, LLDP is highly recommended because of several uh, reasons. For example, this material uh, it's present high flexibility and elongation. Also, the shear strain is uh, improved and also present a better puncture behavior. No? We can see here a, a typical uh, detail of a single liner uh, geometry. Uh, it's uh, recommended to use single, single side texture a geomembrane with the texture side in contact in contact with the soil liner GCL in order to uh, increase the shear strength in that side. The geomembrane usually is coming with uh, in rolls of 120 of 100, 150 length, but we can request longer rolls uh, directly to, to uh, during the manufacturing process. Uh, this is also something that can uh, can help when we don't have enough uh, shear strength because we have a soil liner with, uh, uh, for example, high uh, clay content and we have uh, a low shear strength. So we can create uh, a friction layer by using coarse uh, sand. Spreading with uh, uh, with uh, personnel, yes, with workers, spreading at least few centimeters of this material, create this in, uh, this friction layer, increasing the uh, shear strength of the interface. Temporary and permanent anchor, of course, are required, but uh, we need to take uh, into account uh, the recommendation of uh, Rick Till. Uh, he studied uh, uh, land, uh, landfill landslide during a, an, an earthquake uh, and recommended to place a non woven geotextile in order to avoid the stress of, of, of the geomembrane. Also, uh, a practical rule for, uh, for thickness is to use 1.5 for hip up to 100 meters and uh, 2 millimeters for, for higher hips. Uh, we can use 2.5, yes, but uh, we will show you later that it is not recommended. But at the end, the final thickness that uh, we, we have to, uh, to design depends on the puncture test. As uh, if uh, the puncture test with the 
techniques that we recommend and use show this kind of uh, minor yielding, that's fine, but uh, we have a lot of yielding and, and, and in some cases holes detecting by the vacuum test. This is, is, is not passing, so we need to, to do something. Uh, then the human brain installation versus the slope, we can do some summary. We have to prepare the ground and liner compaction. We have to uh, uh, prepare the when we have a very steep or vertical slope, as, as in this case. We have to protect the geosynthetics uh, in uh, aggressive slopes. We have to install GCL in this kind of uh, steep slope. We have to install the human brain uh, and welding in the in the in very uh, I mean very hard and complicated conditions. We have to inspect the human brain after installation, and here we can see the full and complete complete installation. In this case of uh, uh, Purina leach pad, it was was one of the uh, first leach pad in Peru about in, in the year of. Uh, 1996. Uh, in some cases also we need to protect the human brain under loads. Uh, in when, when this, can, this is needed, when uh, the heat for example is more than about 120 meters, we need protections against uh, high loads uh, in order to avoid uh, punctures. Uh, in, in, the, in this uh, volumetric or configuration of a leach pad, we have uh, the maximum height and the maximum capacity that the heave leach pad can have. And uh, we define the area where the uh, leach pad will have 100 meter height. So in this area, we need to do something. And what we, uh, do, 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 uh, can, we can do it. We can use a thicker human brain, but in, in fact, it's, it's not necessary. But it, it, instead, uh, at least 270 grams per square meter or heavier uh, non-waving geotextile must be used instead of uh, using a thicker human brain. But of course, as we are introducing a new interface, we need, we need to do a stability verification uh, because, of course, the, the, there is a reduction of the shear strength of the geotextile human brain interface. So we need to place in some uh, specific area of the leach pad and, for example, not close to the top. Uh, for the leach pad collection, we use uh, this kind of pipes. This is the collection system is for leach solution, for seepage flow through a waste rock, for example, of acid water of water with metal content, uh, dual wall perforated HDPE pipe, uh, smooth inside, corrugated, corrugated outside are used, diameter of uh, 100, 200, 300 or 450 millimeter is uh, commonly used. But in some cases, uh, 600 millimeters have been used. Uh, this is the typical detail of uh, where the pipe is placed on the human membrane and gravel around, as we can see here. Uh, on, on the score, when we have, uh, I mean, high uh, 
privileged paths or dams, and more than about 120 meters according to our experience, then pipe protection is required for avoid damage by deflection and crushing. Also, we, take, we need to take into account that deflection of uh, 15 to 20 percent is accepted. Okay, but here we, ca we can see some uh, crashing of, of the pipe by inspecting inside. Uh, in important projects, it's recommended to do pipe deflection tests. Okay, but they are of course uh, very expensive, so we need to select in, in which cases we need to do this kind of uh, deflection test. If the pipe can still convey the flow and perform as required, uh, its appearance is not relevant. As we, can, as, as we talked before, 15 to 20 percent is accepted. The pipes in, in these cases when we need to protect them of the high loads need to be uh, placed in uh, trenches as uh, the figure is showing, and backfill with drainage gravel to provide confinement and reduce reduce deflation uh, because the, the, the load is taken by the gravel instead of directly by the pipes. No? We can see here some uh, examples of the trenches uh, and, uh, and pipes, and of course a geotextile that is needed to protect not the pipe but the, the geomembrane inside the trench. Overliner. The overliner is uh, used to protect the geomembrane uh, from damage caused by uh, falling material greater than one and a half inches of uh, 35 millimeters and to provide, to provide drainage. The overliner maximum size is typically 1.5 million uh, inches. Okay, and we, can, we can see there in the photos is granular material. Excuse me. Uh, the thickness is typically uh, uh, half a meter or in some cases uh, a bit more. Uh, also, we need access of uh, at least 1.5 or 2 meter thickness uh, to hold the overliner in inside the uh, lines area. And also, uh, for spreading, is, uh, we need to use uh, D6 type track doser or smaller equipment uh, for spread the, over, the overline. <clears throat> well, here, for example, we can see the a whole area of the new sponge expansion of this Hewlish pad uh, with the overliner, which is com uh, the work is being completed in this area where also need to be placed with membrane, with uh, sorry, with the overliner. In this case, we have a an ore with maximum size of about six millimeters, then overliner is needed in this case. In some cases, we have also interleaf liner operation. This is a very typical copper operation when ore permeability is very low, then we need an interleaf liner as an option for permanent leach pad. Where here we can see some uh, photos in the copper industry in Chile. When we have this large equipment for spreading the ore, mechanized uh, 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 or conveying, okay? Uh, in this case, for example, it's a very typical photo of Mantoverde operation in Chile, where we have uh, 
several crews stalling the jaw membrane uh, below the area where the stacking is working. Uh, otherwise, uh, we will need a lot of uh, uh, overliner if this uh, big and heavy equipment need to be uh, working over the human brain. So, and that is very expensive in some cases. Okay? For this kind of equipment, maybe we will need one meter of the liner. Then, uh, one way to avoid this cost is working in this way. Uh, also, uh, we need to install the uh, collection system, which is single wall pipes, very flexible one coming in this way. So, we just need to spread and uh, to uh, to create this collection system and we need to do this every single lift that's called the interleaf liner operation okay about the raincoat inhibition pad they are used to prevent water for entering into the heat or damp in regions of high rainfall events they are usually mainly for gold and silver heblish pad. You can see here, for example, an area covered with a raincoat. Okay, uh, for uh, avoiding the solution dilution, uh, which uh, uh, which uh, make that the metal recovery uh, is more efficient and water treatment cost is reduced. In some cases, we have a raincoat system install in 80%, 90%, 100% of the area of the leash pad in, in very heavy precipitation regions. But in some in dry regions also we can use raincoats to cover and prevent evaporation and reduce the water demand. It's also in some cases have been used but they are mainly used for uh, rainy areas. Uh, in ponds. In this case, we can use single liner for stormwater ponds, in some cases uh, of uh, some um, environmental commitment, double, line, double liner is, uh, is, has been used a lot at this uh, improvement. Uh, the double liner for pond, uh, PLS pond, that need to be double liner. Here we have a detail with the with the soil liner, or could be also GCL, the secondary uh, jaw membrane, the primary jaw membrane, and in the middle we have the unit for uh, a leak detection. 1.5 or 2 millimeter a smooth HDPE. Texture HDPE can be used, which uh, mean uh, facilitate the uh, when when we walk for inspection, for example, is very uh, uh, very complicated and also dangerous to walk in a smooth human brain but if we put a texture human brain that uh, helps a lot. The joiner or geocomposite for leak detection through the primary human brain and the installation is in this way. As first we play the human brain after the, the ground uh, preparation then the joiner is placed on the top of the, uh, the secondary human brain then the primary human brains is placed on the top of the unit and we have the uh, complete installation and operation of pumps. The leak detection sump is uh, uh, usually installed in the lowest spot of, of the pond, creating this sump 
uh, and where we have this uh, this pipe and uh, a small pump inside. So if there is some leakage in the primary human brain, it can report to the sump and we can pump it back to the to the uh, to the pond, as we can see here. Other applications we have, for example, geocells, which is just for uh, road construction, for uh, channel protection, for channel uh, liner, but also for uh, a pond liner. Here we have the geoweb, and if we put concrete uh, uh, on the top, so we create, as we can see here, a pond, impermeable pond of, uh, of uh, this kind of material. Geogrid has been used for, in general, for soil and wall reinforcement, also in the mining industry. Here we can see a uh, reinforced wall uh, designed and constructed for a uh, tailless dam raised four meters high, okay, uh, which is considered a, a center line construction. Here we have this uh, geogrid uh, for reinforcement. Also, is used for this kind of, uh, of walls, very typical, for example, in crusher facilities. And here we have a, a, a reinforced wall constructed for uh, a tailless dam. Also, we have geotubes for mud and tailless containment. It is, this is a, a facility constructed in Colombia uh, with uh, geotextile, uh, and, uh, which is, uh, is uh, used as a filter to evacuate the water and just remain the mud or tailings, basically tailings, and we can construct in this way also uh, a dike uh, and to create some uh, impound. Also, bituminous human brain has been used in some cases, uh, not so much in Latin America, uh, but we have some cases in Kilvish Path and Ponds. They are very heavy uh, and also resistant uh, materials. We can see here the construction equipment uh, uh, coming on the top of the human brain without any problems. Also, this material can uh, tolerate uh, greater material than a normal human brain, up to three inches, and uh, no problem. No? We can see some installation process and some uh, pond installed in the in the Andes in Peru. Uh, finally, we can see here the uh, human brain in evaporation ponds for the lithium extraction industry. They are they are huge ponds. I mean, a thousand hectares of uh, PVC or LDP human brain that is used for uh, for evaporation, for extracting uh, salt, and uh, also extract and uh, lithium, which is used for uh, batteries and for electric cars industry, right? As a summary, we can uh, uh, conclude that the GCL and the GU membrane on irregular surfaces uh, must be protected for furniture using geocomposite, geotextile, or other systems. Uh, suitable criterion must be used for select GCL uh, use needle punch in slopes, that's something that we explain. For heavyish pad or waist dump, 1.5 or 2 millimeter single side texture LLP human brain 
is generally recommended. For facilities greater than 120 meters high, protection of human brain and pipes is needed by using geotextile. Basically, this, that's the recommendation also is the, is the state of practice and experience. For ecosystems, prevent dilution of solution and reduce treatment, uh, water treatment costs. And something also is, which is very important is that experience of the installer is extremely important to warranty quality of the geosynthetic installation and, of course, adequate safety condition. That's the end of my presentation. Thank you very much for attending. Gracias por su atención. Great. Thank you, Dennis. And we have a bunch of questions here. So uh, let me get started. I'm not sure we're going to get through all of them. But here, here we go. We probably have, I don't know, 30 questions. Uh, for heat bleach pads, is the geomembrane used any different from the geomembrane used in a municipal solid waste containment facility in the United States? And maybe you're not familiar with that, but. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, in, the, in the industry, at the beginning of the heat bleach pad technology, the HDP was was used. It was very common because of the uh, flexible human membrane doesn't have enough uh, resistance for UV uh, attack. Then, when the manufacturer become to uh, improve uh, this quality, particular quality of, of the flexible human membrane, then the, the LDP become more popular, and now is that uh, usually we have in the industry. And my understanding is that in the state is is somewhat the same. Yep. Um, what is the minimum thickness? And I think you had that on your last slide. Um, what, what, are, what is the minimum thickness of the geomembrane that is usually specified? According to my experience, it's 1.5 LDP. <coughs> we didn't use, uh, I mean, thinner membrane because the the quality control is uh, is not so it's a little complicated even for a smaller leash pad up to 40 or or uh, 60 meter uh, 1.5 is the minimum that I, I suggest okay uh, are the CQA procedures similar to those used for municipal solid waste landfills in the US for example, how how do you check the, the seams on the LLDPE with air channel testing, vacuum box? It's exactly the same. We have channel testing for wedge welding, we have a vacuum box for uh, for for patches. I mean it's exactly the same. We have a I mean your membrane in, in heavily part operation is the main material then we need to take care during the installation and the quality control is, is very straight. That is the experience that we have in this part of the world. Yep. Um, in a heat bleach pad, is it necessary to place a geotextile between the geomembrane and the overliner? It, it's, it's not, but uh, when we have some possibility of that the high loads acting in the, in the overliner and transmitted to the human brain can be, I mean, a problematic issue and can be some damage or potential damage. 
In this case, the geotextile is recommended. That's for human brain protection, of course. I mean, we have several experiments that we did. Uh, uh, we proceed as, as I explained. Yep. So with with the overliner, do you, and even if you have a geotextile, do you perform leak location surveys before or after the overliner to make sure the geomembranes intact before the ore is placed? Very uh, interesting and good question. Really, I mean, uh, I, I had part of, uh, I had some slides showing that uh, that process, but I mean, I have a very specific time to present this webinar. Uh, but uh, it's uh, about five, seven years ago, maybe a little more, uh, it's mandatory to do two kind of uh, leak detection uh, surveying, which we call the geoelectric. The first one is for the exposed human brain, which is done based on the uh, uh, water lungs or uh, spar test that uh, of course everybody knows uh, after the CQ, CQA of course and after inspection of the final inspection of the human brain but uh, after the installation of the, of the human brain we need to do again a geoelectrical surveying in this case by using the dipole method because more than 70 percent of, of the damage that can happen in a human brain is during the linear installation. Yep, right. Um, next, is pre-curing still a common practice in heap leaching? What special design considerations must be taken? Pre-curing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a common practice. It's the pain of the ore. And this is more uh, common uh, in cooperation when we have to add some uh, high concentrated sulfuric acid to cure the ore and to, and to uh, improve the recovery uh, during the normal leaching. Then uh, in, in that cases, uh, the pre-cure is, do, is done in, uh, in, the agglomeration, uh, in the agglomeration plant and the material as it is, is taken to the leach pad. It's not done in the leach pad itself, at least uh, to, I know. Uh, our experience, the, uh, most experience in Peru, we have a goal of heap leach pad, and uh, we don't have that process in goal. In goal. We have agglomeration, and maybe that uh, can be confused with a cure process, but the agglomeration in goal operation is different. Uh, is uh, in these cases with the cement, and the cement doesn't cause any effect. In copper, the acidic, uh, the acid sulfuric solution can create some uh, endothermic uh, process, which creates uh, elevation of the temperature, and that, that can be can be a problem for the human brain. But that also need to be addressed. Right, um, Dennis. We just have a minute left. Um, I prob there are probably 20 at least more questions uh, to go here. So we'd like to schedule a follow-up podcast and I will ask you the rest of these questions. We'll conduct that podcast maybe in the next week or two. So if any of the attendees still have additional questions, 
please send them in via the webinar survey that will be sent to you shortly after the webinar. And Dennis will address them and the remaining ones here in the follow-up podcast. That will so, be my pleasure, Tim. Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate you signing up for the podcast. But again, there's probably at least 20 questions here. Could you, Dennis, could you go to the next slide? Here is Dennis Para's contact information. If you want to contact him about questions, or you can send them to me or Jen Miller, and we will plug them into our podcast coming up in a week or so. Next slide, Dennis. Our next webinar is a live panel discussion on subgrade preparation and QAQC procedures for geomembranes. Some of the photos that Dennis showed with subgrade preparation on rock were amazing. So uh, bring your questions to the live panel discussion on December 8th. Uh, next slide, please, Dennis. Uh, a lot of information on the FGI website including we will post Dennis's webinar and his a PDF of his slides here shortly under the webinar library. And I'd like to conclude one more. Yep, the today's webinar was sponsored by Intertape Polymer Group. And Dennis, thank you so much for squeezing this into your busy schedule and joining us from Lima, Peru. And I look forward to our podcast in a week or so. Thank you very much, Tim, for the invitation. And it was my pleasure to answer any question that then uh, you will have. Great. Thank you, Dennis. And thank, thank you to everyone for attending. See ya. Thank you.